Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. This is the Cork Today replay on C103. Let's stay on the topic of uh, weather because as that old saying goes, we need to batten down the hatches over the next few days because we've got what's uh, been described as a disturbed period of weather. This is Storm Diana. It's on its way and it's set to what Metairin are saying is side swipe the country. It'll come in from tonight and it's expected then to bring at least three days of heavy rain Three days of heavy rain obviously could and will lead to some spot uh, flooding. The storm, as we speak, is making its way up from the Azores in the Atlantic. It'll pass the west of Ireland tonight and into tomorrow morning, bringing with it these very strong winds. Now, because of that, a yellow weather warning has been issued for heavy rainfall up to 30 millimetres, gusts of up to 100 kilometres per hour and that's for the southwest counties for today. And Met Aaron then are saying that Storm Diane will pass out to the pass out to the west of us tonight and tomorrow but it will give what they're calling this side sweep and this side sweep is going to bring strong winds and uh, we can expect wet and uh, windy conditions and obviously Met Aaron are continuing to monitor the the situation and they will update us as the day goes on but as of now it's expected to hit landfall tonight Storm Diana and then uh, the next three three days uh, it's going to be wet and uh, windy so look after yourselves please. Now coming up on the programme this morning we're going to hear about the case of a visiting hunt which uh, caused the awful death of a family pet and just for a much loved pet to be killed by a pack of hunting dogs must be I mean to lose a pet anyway is is heartbreaking but to lose a pet in these kind of circumstances and I suppose it raises the whole debate we're into the hunting season I think it starts isn't it on the 1st of November so we're into the hunting season and for people that are involved they love this time of year they go out with their dogs and it's mainly not always but it's mainly a kind of a weekend uh, tradition where people will get on their horses bring out their hunting dogs and, and off they go and if you live in the countryside you're probably well used to seeing hunts uh, in your area is that what it is though is it very much part and parcel of rural life do you just have to put up with it or what can the members of the hunt do to protect people who are not involved in the hunt and in particular to protect the little pets of uh, lands and near lands where they're going it's hard to tell a dog and a pack of dogs and, and I imagine there's a bit of a frenzy when you get a pack of dogs together and they're picking up the scent of an animal and God help any 
little dog or a cat or any other animal that gets in the way of the frenzy of those dogs. So I suppose you can't really blame the dogs. But what can be put in place to make sure that it doesn't happen going forward? So we welcome uh, your thoughts and comments on hunting. And if you have hunting in your area, is it something that you feel you just have to put up with? Or is it something that really, really annoys you and that you'd like to see something done about it? Better rules and regulations put in place. Are, are there enough? We'd love to hear from the people involved in the hunt. Do you feel you do enough to protect everyone and the lands and the animals and the people and everybody on the on the land in which you go through when you're out on your hunt on a Sunday afternoon? 1850 at 3 3 3 I'm going to sort of say with rural areas because this is an issue that's going to affect rural areas more than urban areas. And this is to do with people who get their water from private wells. And in the main, that are, that's to do with those people living and working in rural areas. How safe is your drinking water if you are getting your water from a private well? For example, how often is it tested? Have you had your water tested who's responsible for it is it the local authority how often are the local authority checking up on private wells there's an EPA report that's uh, just out that makes for worrying for worrying reading if you do get your water from a private source we're also going to hear concerns about funeral arrangements for priests that have been accused of abuse and these are priests who are going through the court system are waiting to go through the court system and if they die before a case has ever been heard it seems and there was something I wasn't aware of I think a lot of people won't be aware of this the Catholic Church have decided that there's different arrangements for the way those priests are uh, buried now I imagine it also probably differs from diocese to diocese now if the person had been abusing children while alive, I think people would say, of course, they should be treated differently by the Catholic Church when it comes to their uh, funerals. But what if somebody has been innocently accused? And we know, God, we know that priests' lives have been destroyed by somebody making a false accusation against a priest. And when what happens in those cases where somebody was falsely accused and then if they pass away before they're ever able to prove that they were falsely uh, accused, is it unfair that they're treated in a different way? And I suppose it opens up that whole debate with the way the Catholic, how did the Catholic Church view uh, people out, outside of, of of priests, but people in the general community. I mean, how do they deal with um, convicted rapists? How do they deal with people who have been convicted of sexually abusing children who are not priests? How do they deal with murderers? Is it not a case that everybody gets who wants a Christian burial? Everyone is entitled to a Christian burial. And it really is, if you have a very deep faith, it's up to God when you get to the pearly gates of heaven to decide uh, what's going to happen to you if you have been really bad in this lifetime. So anyway, we're going to speak with the Catholic Priests Association who have concerns about the funeral arrangements for priests accused of abuse. We'll hear fundraising details for uh, a local Red Cross group. And then in the final hour, Joe Heffernan is going to join us. And today we're dealing with the topic of self-harm and this has been raised by one of our listeners who's discovered that her daughter is self-harming and that must be a really difficult and very hard situation to deal with for parents if you discover that your much loved son or daughter is self-harming and you know probably with it maybe anxiety and battling mental health issues and we know when it comes to battling mental health issues for adolescents I mean the CAMS the Children and Adult 
mental health service in this country when you get into it they're a fantastic service but we know there's been delays there's waiting lists to get in there and it can be just so frustrating while the family are trying to do their best to deal with the son or daughter who's going through a really bad patch in their life and you know the way they're showing it is by self-harming and if if the parents are not getting the professional help that they need because it's really at a time like that when you need professional help you need somebody to say this is what you do this is where you need to go Uh, here's an appointment for you this is what we're going to do for your son or daughter and if you're not getting that help you know you can imagine the anxious nights of parents not sleeping wondering what's going on in their son and daughter's bedroom and are they going to be safe uh, when they wake up in the morning so we're going to deal with that and if anybody has a particular question or comment about self-harming particularly on younger people some of our listeners have been in contact looking for a little bit of help can anybody help us please we kick off with an email in from and to say hi Patricia I know you touched on this subject before but I just can't remember the outcome do you know or do you listeners know is there anywhere in the Cork or Limerick area where I can sell a designer suit and accessories so where can Anne sell on a designer suit and accessories? There has been shops in the past who only deal with designer clothes. I mean, there's lots of second-hand shops. There's lots of brilliant charity shops as well. There's also lots of charity shops that will buy and sell clothes. But this is specifically what Anne is looking for, a shop that only deals in designer goods. Does anybody know? Willing, she is willing to travel. So anywhere across Cork or, she, or across Cork or Limerick. If anybody can help us with that, please. 1850-333-103. Cathy was on to us in Mallow. Now, this could have been because yesterday we had a little bit of success when we had a listener who someone by mistake had sent, uh, had, had either, po- I don't know if it was posted or dropped through the letterbox money with a gentleman's name uh, on it and there was cash inside in the envelope but there was no indication as to where the money came from and the name on the envelope nobody had ever lived in the house by that name so we called out the name yesterday and lo and behold the gentleman rang us and said I think that's my money it was oh, he was owed money from somebody so he knew exactly how much was in the envelope and it, it he was in the same estate it was just they got the number of the house wrong so we got that money that was and lots of people were saying well done to the lady who contacted us and how honest she was because I mean she could have just taken the money lead up to Christmas bought herself something nice spent it on a few presents and said nothing and said I never got that but she was very honest so uh, it's always good to be honest and uh, believe me she'll get great karma back from that kind of honesty anyway Cathy in Mallow is trying to reconnect somebody with an item that she found She it was this time last year she found a child's Pandora bracelet she found it near the doctor's surgery in Castle Park in Mallow. She did her best this time last year to try to find out had anybody reported a lost Pandora bracelet. But no, no one came forward. So she said it is a bit of a long shot, but she's just going to throw it out there one more time because she would love to uh, reconnect this Pandora bracelet and it was a child's one with the little girl who owns it and those little Pandora charms can be quite expensive and I don't know how many charms are on it or how long the little girl might have had it or how long she's been collecting the Pandora charms so we have Cathy's number if anybody knows of a little girl or you may have heard mention of somebody a little girl losing a Pandora's bracelet as I say it was this time last year so it was a year ago it is a long shot but you never know so if anybody can help us with that and then Hetty in Glamire was on to us she has two dogs but unfortunately she's been struck down with arthritis and she's now not in a position to walk the dogs and she's looking for a dog walker 
for her two dogs. Does anybody know of somebody that offers that service of dog walking in the Glanmire area? Oh, indeed. As she said, if there's anybody listening in the Glanmire area who might like a bit of exercise, I might like to take on the job of walking two dogs. I'm assuming you would want to be doing it on a daily basis. So you need to have some time in your hands or even if you could offer to do it five days of the week or maybe you know of a dog walking service in the Glanmire area and um, we have all of Hetty's details if anybody can help us there 1850 and thank you to Eileen in Bear Island who contacted the programme today to say would you please give a mention to the Donkey Sanctuary in Lascara Eileen visited there over the weekend and she said they had a wonderful wonderful day out never been there before really impressed with the place and she just could not get over the care and attention they give to the uh, donkeys yeah and I tell you they're very lucky animals that end up and end out their days in the donkey sanctuary in Lascarol and bless their hearts some of them arrive in the most appalling of conditions many of them arrive with the hoofs you know if you don't look after the hoofs of donkeys they actually they, they, they curl up and seemingly it is agony for the animal when they're trying to walk and they've been left there in muddied fields and many of them very emaciated and almost starved to death and then eventually somebody will report uh, the word will get out to the donkey sanctuary in Lascarol and they'll go and collect these poor creatures and, and bring them back and they nurse them back to health and they, they do they they do absolutely incredible work and, they, and then they have the beautiful setting of the donkey sanctuary in Liscarroll where the donkeys live out their days and then of course they foster them out they also have to go out in pairs because uh, donkeys by their nature are they like to be in a pair they don't like to be on their own which I think is something very sweet about the animal uh, as well and there are many wonderful families all over the country who foster donkeys on behalf of the donkey sanctuary and if they, they have a bit of land and, and they're all well vetted believe me but they're, they're well looked after uh, as well so Eileen thank you glad to give that a mention uh, the wonderful work of the donkey sanctuary Sanctuary in Liscarroll. 1850 333 Going to take a break and we're actually back talking about an animal issue after these. Court today. With Breedhaven Nursing Home Mallow. It's family run, so your loved one will feel at home. See breedhaven.ie. C103. This is the Court Today replay on C103. Now, C103's Head of Sport, Michael Scanlon, joins me this morning, uh, not to talk about sport, unfortunately, but to talk talk about a pretty horrible event that happened to their family cat in the Town area of uh, West Cork. Good morning to you, Michael. Good morning, Patricia. Now, I never thought I never thought I'd be the story. I, I, honest to God, I mean this, and this happened, and particularly for, for what the story is as well. This happened the weekend before last, and it resulted in the tragic death of your much loved cat. Outline what you believe occurred, because you didn't actually witness it. Yeah, no, Patricia. I happened to be away in Limerick on on that particular Sunday, covering the uh, the Charleville Munster hurling uh, final win over over. Uh, over Fecal and my wife and, and son were at home. Now, I live in a part of Newcastle, which is, I suppose, it's, it's very rural for starters, and it's also a, a very popular place for for uh, hunting, particularly during the, the the hunting season, which I believe starts on the on the first of November. Now, normally we would hear dogs away from us, uh, but they would rarely come anywhere near where we live and. Just to paint the picture, like where I live, there's 22 houses within a half a mile. If I, 
was to literally draw a circle around my house. There are 22 houses. None of them are farming. So okay. you have a lot of, um, you have a lot of houses where you have lots of pets and you have lots of, of, of small animals. And yes, we, like a lot of families, would have a, a, a pet. In our case, it was a cat. And the cat would obviously be left out in the morning and come back in in the evening time. And a hunt came along on the day. My wife was at home at lunchtime, suddenly heard a bang outside, went out to find that a car had been passing and a, a dog jumped out over the ditch, struck the the dog and the dog died within within five minutes, which was completely and utterly unnecessary. When I came home later on that night, the cat was missing. We spent Sunday night looking for the cat and then early Monday morning when, when my wife was going to work, she spoke to the neighbour who told her that the cat had been mauled the day before at, um, at lunchtime and was in fact inside the ditch uh, dead. And look, it was something that I'm not against hunting. I want to make that quite clear. I believe that these people that hunt have every right to hunt, but there needs to be some law and order. So the the dogs, it almost sounds like the dogs were in a bit of a frenzy if one of them jumped out over the ditch and landed on the on the the woman driving the car. Well, you, I think you summed, uh, Patricia, you summed it up very well at the start of the programme this morning when you explained what goes on at these hunts. Of course, like dogs are dumb animals, foxes are dumb animals, and obviously they get into a frenzy and they... Of course, they're going to run in a particular direction if there happens to be a road there. The dog doesn't know that. He just jumps over the fence out onto the road. Uh, a, a lady happened to be passing at that exact time. She wasn't aware that there was going to be a dog jumping out over the fence, so her natural reaction was probably to, to swerve to avoid the dog. What would have happened if there was a car coming in the opposite yeah, direction yeah. With, with, with a family of young children? Uh, like you could have serious collisions and serious fatalities and serious injuries. And as I mentioned a while ago, there needs to be some law and order. Like why is it not possible that, for example, uh, the local people where the hunt is, why are they not being told maybe a couple of days beforehand by the hunt uh, people that we will be in your area next uh, next Sunday? Between two why and four and give the times. Well, if you had, if you had prior notice, you would be able to manage your animals better. You would also expect that there would be some sort of notices on the road saying that there's a hunt in progress. Maybe there should be people with high-vis jackets slowing cars down. And surely they know that the dogs are about to come out onto the road and they should be advising people that there's a hunt and please stop for a few seconds. Like, I'll use another example. You think of the sport of road bowling, which is very, very popular in all over the county. And it's brilliantly managed by Ball Common because any time you ever come across a score, there's people managing the traffic. There's notices up to say there's a score in progress. And there's never any sort of collisions with, with people or with cars. The same thing should be happening with the sport of hunting. And as it stands, I know we got onto the Irish Hunting Association. They, they declined the invitation to join us on air because they don't know who was involved in the particular uh, hunt. But they do say that all their groups would seek permission to enter land and that the permission is normally given by the landowner. And that's all well and good and that's fine. But that's still permission from the landowner and the hunt ending up out on the road are two very different things, Michael. Well, you see, 
you have to have, like it's grand to get permission, and I think a lot of people in rural Ireland uh, don't really have an issue with, with, with hunting, but what we need is we need some sort of law and order brought into the thing, whereby getting permission is one thing, but there's also a responsibility on the hunt people to maybe go around and tell the house owners in the area that, in fact, you may have given us permission, but this is actually the weekend that the hunt will be taking place because even farming in rural Ireland has completely and utterly changed in the sense that, we say, the, the autumn and early November has been so mild. There are a lot, a lot of animals still out in the fields, and like, you can imagine if 30 or 40 dogs come into a field of cattle, so the cattle are going to run amok all over the place. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. even, even Patricia, if if animals are indoors as well, sure, if thirty or forty hounds come into a farmer's yard, so the animals are going to go go nuts. Yeah, Tim is saying sheep are very timid animals, and this time of year, when sheep are heavy in lamb, dogs running and barking through a field where sheep are grazing can result in the sheep aborting their lambs. Hunting has to be banned. Uh, says Tim. I mean, and, and people have very divided opinions on uh, hunting, except that some people would just call for an outright uh, ban. Um, now, I know I, I didn't even look at the photograph. I, I, I couldn't. I, I, I just I couldn't. I would find it too upsetting. But I know John Paul has put a, a warning and has put up one of the photographs of your beloved cat, uh, Michael, and we're putting it up on, on our Facebook page. Is it your, was it your only cat? Ah, uh, yeah. Look, yeah. Look, we've, had, we've had cats down through the years. This, this cat was there since uh, since he was six weeks uh, uh, six weeks old. He'd been neutered and everything. No, I don't want to sound all sentimental about the cat because, look, of course I love the cat and we love the cat. But this is a far bigger issue. Like, a, a dog gets killed as well in the same hunt. Like, why, yeah. why should that happen? And 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 the, and the woman driving the car, Michael, I mean, it was her car, it was her car damaged. Well, again, I I believe, and I, I'm only operating on hearsay, that there could have been in excess of a thousand euros worth of damage done to the car. Yeah, because you hit a dog. Even even travelling on a normal road where a dog runs out from a gate, it can do damage. But she must have got an awful fright. Well, of course, I'm sure the lady was was. was I know my wife spoke to her. Uh, she was visibly upset, and 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 you and I would, and you would as well, because. Even if a rabbit runs across the yeah. road when we're driving, sure, our natural reaction is it's to break. Absolutely, absolutely. Okay, all right. And you haven't been able to work out who was involved with the hunt, um, um, but but you just feel we the the laws need to be looked at with regards to to hunts. Well, there needs to be some rules and regulations that the the people managing the hunt have to have a man a traffic management plan in place. They need to put up signs. They need to contact the homeowners and the landowners to say this is actually the weekend we're going to be hunting. And I know I was reading in the Southern Star that uh, Jennifer um, Headland, I think of the of the West Cork Animal Welfare Group she said that they're aware of other incidents like this happening across the region and she's also uh, saying that there, there's got to be some kind of advance notice of hunting activities that at least families can bring in their animals and make sure that their you know, family pets are, are looked after. All right, listen, Michael, we appreciate you chatting to us this morning. Thank you for that. Good 
Good morning. And, uh, good morning to you and thank you for joining us. That is uh, Michael Scanlon, C103's Head of Sport, as I say, talking to us on that very tragic, sad incident of his much-loved family pet. And to have a cat die in that way is just awful, really awful. Uh, 1850 makes a lot of sense in what he says. That And I would be interested to hear, as I say, we did ask the Hunting Association to join us, but they declined, the Irish Hunting Association, they declined our, our invitation. But would it be possible for any anybody listening who's involved in a hunt would it be possible to put up advanced uh, notices just to let people in an area know that if you're going to be crossing fields there's a possibility and you know you're going to be on such and such a road to get across to different fields or whatever that some sort of notice will be put up to let people know that hunting activity is going to be going on in their area 1850 text or WhatsApp 0862 103 and some comments in reacting to Michael Scanlon our head of sports talking about what happened to his uh, cat being mauled uh, to death by hounds on the hunt last Sunday week. Someone says, I think your gentleman, that's uh, Michael Scanlon, has been far too kind to the hunters. Someone has said, I don't think I would be as understanding as Michael appears to be. Many people saying hunting should be banned. And just one here, totally agree. Hunts have been in the Chacumna area causing havoc with untended hounds and hounds then that are simply abandoned. Family pets are always in a risky situation when a hunt is in the area. We do, Michael Scanlon is right, we do need to be forewarned in the papers or on the local radio rather than hounds baying the only warning that we have to prepare that a hunt is in the uh, area. And John in Clannacilty says Patricia, health and safety surely comes into this and surely insurance comes into it even more. You can't have animals running through the countryside with no control claims on the way for dog owners, I would think says John and Clannacilty. Yeah but I think the problem in this particular case with the hunt nobody can work out who the hunt are um, nobody knows uh, they certainly weren't a local hunting group so I think there's a bit of a problem as to, as to who they actually were uh, anyway let's leave that there we'll come back to it later 1850 because I want to move on because according to a new report from the Environmental Protection Agency many Irish people are drinking water from private supplies which are not being monitored to ensure that the water is safe to drink joining me from the EPA uh, Michelle Roach who is an inspector with the Environmental Protection Agency good morning to you Michelle Good morning, Patricia. Uh, and you're welcome. What percentage of the population get their water from a private supply in this country? Is it a high number? So overall, we have 20% of the population that get their water from private supply. Now, that includes um, these regulated private supplies, which our report focuses on, which are the, the group water schemes or the small private supplies. Um, so they'd be commercial or public activities that have their own private supply. But it also includes, an, um, so that's 10% of the population. And then there's another 10% that get their supri- supply from their own household well. Um, and they're an unregulated sector, but um, again, I suppose we'd, uh, we'd be concerned about the quality of, of those supplies as well. And is uh, anyone, who is responsible for monitoring the quality of private wells? So um, for these regulated supplies, the first 10% that I mentioned, it's the uh, the local authorities that are responsible for ensuring that monitoring is carried out. Um, so the local authority will have a list of supplies um, and they should go out every year and monitor those supplies um, on their list. I suppose what we found from our report is one thing 
Um, there are a number of supplies on the local authority register that, or the local authority list that aren't being monitored. So for 2017, we had 711 um, of these small private supplies. So they're the ones that uh, that may serve your local hotel or your B&B, your creche, your nursing home. Um, and 711 of those weren't monitored in 2017. Do they say uh, why? Uh, no, I suppose we... Um, we we have we have no official reason from the local authorities. Um, we actually the EPA carry out audits of some local authorities um, every year uh, on their monitoring. And anecdotally, I suppose we've been told that um, number one, it's a resource issue um, in that they don't have enough people to just go out and and monitor these supplies. I mean, we've two thousand of these supplies across the country, so it is a large number. Um, the second thing is they may not have the funding for it um, uh, to carry out the monitoring and have have it tested. Um, so I suppose we have, we have that issue, uh, but we also know that there are a number of supplies that aren't even on the local authority register, and this is what we're really concerned about. Um, and the reason for that right, is this people haven't registered. Yeah, well, the so the the legal obligation for maintaining the register sits with the local authority. Oh, so a supplier, okay. a hotel, or a business like that doesn't have a legal obligation to register. Um, but the problem comes in where you know, a, a, like that again, a hotel, a crash, or whatever, drills a well in their backyard, and the local authority doesn't even know about that that, that particular supply. So. Um, the local authority have, you know, they have a hard job to do to go out and find these supplies in order to put them on their register in the first place. So that's why we would be urging the business owner themselves to contact the local authority and make sure that they're on the register. Um, and how many of the private wells do you believe are contaminated and what do you believe they're contaminated with? Well, of the ones that were sampled in 2017, we had 51 um, that were contaminated with E. coli. Um, so I suppose people are probably familiar with the term E. coli. The, it's a bacteria. Um, it's found in animal or human waste. So it's not really something you want to be drinking in the first place. Um, and in, a, in its mildest form, it can, uh, it can cause an upset tummy or a bit of diarrhea. But there's a particular strain of E. coli called VTEC. Um, that in 10% of cases can lead to severe illness and in in some of those cases um, can lead to kidney failure. Wow. Um, wow. So, you know, it's, it's, it's quite concerning and really what we're saying is if you own one of these wells, get it tested and you can have some level of reassurance then um, that, that the water you're drinking is clean or the water that you're serving to your customers is clean. And, um, for, and for the 10% in the other 10%, the unregulated supplies, people listening to us in their own homes who put in their own well, how often should they get theirs tested? Yeah, so again, we our advice is to get it tested at least once a year um, and particularly after maybe heavy rainfall like we're having at the moment, um, it's the most vulnerable time for your well. Um, <clears throat> so if you can get a snapshot at that particular time, um, we'd be saying that's, that's the best time to do it. Um, but also the EPA have a lot of advice on their website about protecting your well. You know, once, once you drill it... Um, 
to maybe inspect it every year, keep it maintained. Um, it's like any other piece of equipment that needs to be that needs to be maintained. Really, so we'd be saying, you know, look for sources of contamination such as slurry spreading or um, now just just on that things. subject of, of slurry spreading, because I can mm. see a couple of questions coming in. Joe says the problem with a lot of private wells in rural areas is the twenty-five meter buffer zone surrounding wells. It's not being respected by mm. farmers spreading slurry. Sorry, that's why life-threatening bugs are getting into wells. There's no enforcement by the powers that be. That's from Joe and actually a number of other listeners are raising the very same point and wanting to know exactly what is the distance that uh, farmers are allowed to spread slurry when there and there is water and should you someone is even asking should you report to the EPA if you know of farmers uh, who are not adhering to the rules. Yeah, so Joe is right that the, the, the twenty-five meters um, around a well is is the is the buffer zone, and I suppose it falls under what's called the Good Agricultural Practice Regulations, um, and these regulations are. Um, they're administered or they're enforced by your local authority as well. Um, so if people are concerned that, that they know of a local farmer that's spreading too close to their well or to somebody else as well, um, the local authority would be the, would would be the place to go. Contact. Yeah, but, and just but on yeah. agriculture, someone said all farmers who are board BIA compliant have to have their private well supply tested. It's one of the qualifying standards. Yes. And um, and I guess that you know that's it's very important for them, and it's great for them that they are getting it tested. You know, it's um, not just for the milk that they're producing, but for their own family. You know, that they know that if they're using that for their family's drinking water, um, that the quality of that is is good. Um, so we'd be urging everybody else to do the same, really, to get their well tested at least once a year. And then they can have some level of reassurance that uh, that the water that their family is drinking or, you know, if they have friends and family that come to visit, or, uh, you know. And, and everyone's safe. That and everyone is safe. That everybody is safe. All right, yeah. Michelle, we leave it there. Thank you for that. And thanks for joining us on the programme. Great, thank Good you. Good morning to you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. That is Michelle Roach, who is an inspector with the Environmental Protection Agency. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Does anybody know where Brendan can buy a Christmas log, the one with the candle in the middle, the traditional looking ones? Are they on sale uh, anywhere in the Mallow area, obviously, because that's where Brendan has contacted me, uh, contacted us uh, from. God, that brings me back. I remember my son, when he was in primary school, had to bring in a log and a red candle. And during arts and crafts, they made a lovely Christmas log that for years I just kept replacing the candle and sticking extra bits of fresh holly and and ivy on it. I'm sure if I look somewhere, it's probably in the attic uh, somewhere. So certainly there was a time, I don't know if they still do it today. Do they still make them in schools and the little boys and girls come out and it comes home as a Christmas present and there's much excitement and they're so proud of their Christmas log. But anyway, uh, we're looking for them on sale. Does anybody know anyone selling in the Mallow area or anywhere else? Let us know because obviously uh, now that I've mentioned it, other listeners might like to buy one. The old style, traditional log where you'd have the candle stuck in the middle of it and nicely decorated. Maybe some of the flower arranging clubs might do them at this time of year as well and, and maybe it's an idea to actually do them and, and sell them for a good cause. 1850-333-103 if anybody can tell us if they've spotted any of those on sale. And actually it's 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 a, exactly a month today 
is Christmas Day because Christmas Day falls on a, a Tuesday. So four weeks today is Christmas Day. And I was in the, I was in the chemist shop yesterday in, in Horgan's Chemist at uh, Tesco. Um, hi to all the girls o- o- over there because I know they they regularly listen to the programme when you go in you can uh, the, the song the radio is on in there um, so hi to all of them lovely bunch of friendly girls but we were in there chatting and I happened to mention that it was four weeks to Christmas Eve yesterday and one of the girls was saying doesn't feel a bit Christmassy and I was saying yeah what is it this year it just doesn't seem to be I mean the toy show is on on Friday night, Friday night. it seems to have crept up on us uh, so quickly and she made an interesting point it's because we haven't had a really cold old spell. You need kind of those really crisp frosty mornings and people out with the hat scarf and gloves and it's beginning to look a lot like Christmas and all of that. I think she could be right. I think the mild weather and that's not to say that I'm wishing for a blast of cold air. I'm not. But the weather hasn't been typically seasonal for this time of year and I think that may have something to do with the Christmas. It just seems to be creeping up and certainly maybe others are feeling very Christmassy at the moment but I just I just don't know what it is. It just doesn't seem to be that uh, Christmas at all. And if you are trying to get into the Christmas spirit and one of the things that you will have to do is buy a Christmas tree if you bring one of the beautiful real Christmas trees and that smell of a real Christmas tree in the house. Can I point you in the direction please of a group called the Irish Christmas Tree Growers Group and they're encouraging all of us to choose an Irish grown tree this year. How do you know if it's an Irish grown tree? You're looking out for a label called Love a Real Tree. So if you see that somewhere on the packaging or on the sticker Love a Real Tree uh, it means that that tree has been grown here in Ireland and obviously the, there are the Christmas tree growers of which there are 80 in the country they're currently harvesting their seasonal crop this is the busiest time for them and the work really starts to intensify this week the growers working to meet the deadlines to ensure an adequate supply of trees in advance of Christmas up to 400,000 Christmas trees are expected to be sold in Ireland and then a further 200,000 will be exported to European markets including the United Kingdom. We also send Christmas trees to Germany and we send Christmas trees to France. I did not know that. And one wonders when you see exporting Christmas trees to the United Kingdom what will be happening after Brexit said she. But anyway make sure you're buying an Irish Christmas tree. 400,000 trees and I would have assumed that every single Christmas tree that you'd buy at Christmas is an Irish one but obviously it's not if they feel that they have to get together and put a label and put a mark on their tree for people to know that it is an Irish tree. There are obviously trees that are imported into this uh, country. So please, if you're buying a Christmas tree, try to buy an Irish one. Love a real tree. That's the sticker you are looking out uh, for. Getting calls in for Brendan on the Christmas log, the traditional Christmas log with a candle in the middle. Somebody says, Boy Scouts and Girl Scouts, Girl Guides, sorry, will sell them a craft flares in Glantan. They may, they've done it in the past, so they may do it again this year. It is worth the try. Go to the craft fair in Glantan. Actually, any of those Christmas craft fairs, actually, that's a good suggestion. It's possible a lot of the, the Christmas fairs will have them. Denise said craft fairs sell them at Christmas, usually any craft fair. <laughs> I should have read the comment first, saying exactly what I was just uh, thinking. They, they, they will have them. And more calls on for the candy logs but um, somebody now has rang up saying where can you buy an electric candle log somewhere in the North Cork area please the electric one because obviously they want to put it in the window they're usually very easy 
anywhere that does Christmas decorations normally will have those electric candles, even though you want it in a log. Have I seen one in a log? I've seen the, you know, you can get the the candle. It's almost like on a candlestick with five of the candles. You'll see them all over windows and it looks lovely. I think it's, it's lovely when a house is lit up and those candles, those electric candlesticks are in the window. But this is somebody looking for one on a log with the electric candle. If anybody knows North Cork area, please, for that. 1850 Can I go back to Michael Scanlon, who joined us in the first hour of the programme, talking about that awful issue with his um, beloved uh, cat being mauled to death and actually um, somebody said you didn't ask the name of the cat I didn't and I normally do being a, being a pet lover I didn't but I, was, I didn't want to upset him either do you know what I mean and um, so I was trying to I'm always conscious when somebody has lost a much loved pet like that that you don't upset them uh, too much but maybe we'll get John Paul to find out the name of the cat uh, anyway somebody says well done to Michael for joining you on the programme and talking about what happened to his uh, cat and talking about the hunting crowd. I think it should be banned, said this uh, texter, as they have no respect for people's lands. They will even block the roads with their vans and trailers and then people end up not being able to travel. They don't show respect. Someone else said, hunts people on horseback in the North Cork area show little or no respect to farmers who don't want them on their land. They think they have a God-given right to come onto farmers' lands and they end up frightening animals. They can damage and do damage fences and land. Uh, they can be an arrogant bunch, says one uh, texter. There, then someone else was on to say that there is a beagle hunting dog, brown and white in colour, wandering around lost in Donnerell Park. The caller heard that there was a hunt who put something up on a Facebook page looking for the dog, but this caller doesn't know which hunt was looking for it. And seeing as we're talking about it today, could we call it out to let, if anybody in uh, part of a hunt in the North Cork area is missing a bagel dog, there's one wandering aimlessly and lost looking in Donnerell Park. If you want to go out there and uh, pick up your dog. Larry says, when you have hounds like that hunting, they're looking for something and they go on noises. If they hear an animal, they will seek it out. The worry, however, is who's, well, to hear about Michael's cat being killed was, was really tragic. But what would happen if that was a child, small child, a baby in a buggy? in the backyard. How many of us have left children in the backyard for a few seconds? Maybe you're putting washing on the line and you nip back in to get something. You just run, run in for a, a few seconds. In those few seconds a pack of dogs and the frenzy that the pack mentality is in and what if it's a little child, a little baby oh god that doesn't, really doesn't even bear uh, thinking about. But it's yeah, it's, it's, it is, it's a fair enough point uh, Mike or Larry Mary in Butterfin said so sad for a pet to be killed like that as family pets to many or like a member of the family. So sad when one dies but especially in that type of uh, manner Dennis said just awful to think of what happened to that little cat I don't agree with hunts at all I think their day is done maybe years ago it was okay but rural areas have changed now so much I think this this type of, of activity simply needs to stop okay that's just some of the comments that have come in uh, by phone into John Paul um, someone else is making the point the Patricia the big risk as well as small children who could be in a garden. A pack of hounds like that really will not uh, differentiate. 
1850 What else is coming into us on WhatsApp and says, Patricia, is there anybody out there, does anybody know of somebody selling a baby seat for a car for sale? Anybody know of a baby seat for a car for sale? Now, and um, what I suggest you do is give us more information of where you are, please. Because that's a bit vague. I don't want somebody who's got a, a baby seat for a car for sale and they're in Castletown there and you're in Mill Street uh, and you're miles away from each other. So if you want to give us a little bit more detail and by giving us a little bit more detail, we might also be able to point you in the direction of one of there's some really good buy and sell Facebook pages, you know, uh, an act of kindness Facebook pages that have been set up where somebody might have a car seat perfectly good baby car seat that they no longer use and they'll put it up on one of these sites to see does anybody want it to go to a good home do you know that kind of thing so if you give us more detail of where you are we may be able to help you out and pinpoint and find a car seat and one for sale uh, for you so give us a bit a bit more detail and we started off the programme with an email from Anne asking us if we could find out anyone in the Cork or Limerick area where she could sell a designer suit and accessories. A shop on Cook Street in the city centre called Nafrisha, is it? Takes designer clothes. Now it's spelt N-A-P-H-I-S-A. Nafisha. They take designer clothes. They're on Cook Street and in Cork. And someone else was on to say Jenny Feather. Pre-Love Vintage Shop. That's in Blarney. It's actually located on the entrance to Blarney Woolen Mills. So Jenny Feather Pre-Loved Pre-Love Vintage Shop. Okay, there's two, both in Cork. Hope they're of help. Hope you're able to sell your designer label suit and the accessories and then somebody else gets to wear it and it goes on and it it becomes somebody else's much-loved piece. 1850-333-103 our lines are open. I mentioned um, Yvonne Cahalan earlier on and that she's going to be speaking. Well, it's part of, of a programme that they're doing tonight on Primetime. They're looking at medicinal cannabis. She's going to be talking about Tristan, how well Tristan has been getting on since he went on medicinal uh, cannabis and also talking about the bill that they're trying to get through the uh, doll. Fran says, uh, Patricia, you should also uh, mention Vera Toomey, who has been an absolute champion for C CBD oil and getting it licensed. Uh, Ava, her daughter, is a shining example of the benefits going from 23 plus seizures a day to none with medicinal cannabis. Her Trevet syndrome is being controlled to the extent that she's now living, leading a normal life. Sadly though and wrongly, Vera and her husband Paul still have to apply for a licence and go to Holland every two months to bring in uh, Ava's uh, medicinal cannabis uh, it is scandalous itself. and that's why that's what I mentioned earlier that's why we need the push for the laws to be brought in so that people who are given the licence and, and I would never be an advocate that it's one for all and that you legalise cannabis and everybody gets into the to, to the ring what we're talking about here is medicinal cannabis but that's why we need proper laws put in place so that people who, who are, people, you know children that do benefit um, and, and adults that benefit from its use can get it but they can get it by going to their local pharmacist and be able to get a prescription from their local doctor and we're not putting families into the situation where they have to get on planes and go out of the country a couple of times a year in order to pick up the medication that their children need. 1850-333-103 John Paul taking your calls text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103 C103 Jobs 
a, a, a HGV truck driver that's wanted for delivering fuel to customers in and around the Bandon area, while a mobile security driver operating from Mallow throughout the North Cork area doing security patrols and responding to alarm activation is uh, wanted. PE Global Healthcare, they're looking for an ICU nurse and medical surgical nurse that's in Cork. And a part-time sales assistant is required for Knight's Spar Express in Mallow. It may suit a mature person. You'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is C103. Court today. With Breedhaven Nursing Home Mallow. It's family run, so your loved one will feel at home. See breedhaven.ie. C103. Now, the Association of Catholic Priests has voiced concerns over the funeral arrangements for priests who die while facing accusations of sexual abuse. Joining me from the Catholic Priests Association is Father Tim Hazelwood who is of course based in uh, Killa. Good morning to you Father Tim. Morning. Uh, and you're welcome. Now pending an investigation these priests are stepped down. If God forbid they, they die what is the Catholic Church saying must be done for the funeral arrangements? Can I give it the background a little yeah, bit? Yeah please do. Yeah. Um, you know that we, we are an association that um, were formed nearly 10 years ago now, and uh, we are kind of a voice for a lot of priests and um, a certain outlook uh, that we have uh, on the church, but also that, uh, that look out for the rights of priests. Now, we were made aware of something funny going on by some members who contacted us um, because they were upset by the way some funerals had taken place, the way the procedures fought them. And we've been also contacted by family members of, of priests who are upset by the way this, the funerals took place. So we did some investigating and put out a few feelers and stuff. Now, we've got a copy, two copies, of procedures, one from a diocese and the other from a religious order, a specific policy on the way priests' funerals who, who have been accused or who have been found guilty that this is the way the funeral should take place. Now, some of the things it says that it shouldn't be uh, publicised, it shouldn't be on County Sound, it shouldn't be on the newspaper, there should be no death notice, um, it shouldn't be in the church if possible, in a chapel, a small church, um, it shouldn't be at the usual time. Only the priest who celebrates the funeral mass can wear vestments. You know, classmates and friends can't can celebrate and not allowed to can celebrate. Which would normally happen. Well, yes, if you like, if you're in the same class or if you're friends with a, with, with a priest, that would be the case. And also that there's a tradition that a priest could wear vestments with his body. He'd wear vestments. He'd be buried in his own. We all have our own vestments. And in this case, no. Also that he would be addressed as his first name and not mention uh, his title, you know, as father. Uh, that kind of thing. So this has been highlighted. Well, aware of this policy and we're asking and we're posing the question like is this just and right like, and we ha- and where do you believe these rules and regulations came from well now this is an interesting one as well because all the procedures around child safety go back to the national board of safeguarding children yeah which is based on Manute, paid for by the bishops uh, but it's independent and i know that their recent um They've uh, a new recent guidelines, and it mentions the celebration of funeral masses of priests who are out of ministry or who've been accused, and it talks about sensitivity, but it doesn't give specific guidelines. But it's very interesting about all those guidelines. There are seven standards in the guidelines. 
six of them are audited by the national board. And like we in the parish, you know, there's an audit going happening shortly and we have to fill out, you know, what are we doing? Are we doing it correctly? All that kind of thing. But there's one standard that's not audited and that's standard four, which is to do with the way the priest who is accused is treated. So in other words, it's up to the diocese or the religious order to make it up as they wish because nobody's going to check on them. There's no audit, there's no governance over it. So it's and then obviously it'll vary then from diocese to diocese. Yeah, Some yeah. Will, 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 will do it differently. But we have one that's a diocese that has this um, these procedures. And we'd ask, like, it begs the question, what's a funeral supposed to be? Yeah, but, but like, if, if, if someone is a murderer or mm. somebody is a rapist mm. in the general population, mm. uh, not a priest... Uh, do, do they get nope. the same funeral and a normal funeral? Do they? I mean, is there any, is, there's no, there's no difference there. No difference. Yeah. So, so why, what's different about a priest? This is the question we are asking. Why? But uh, uh, and I, I'm very mindful of the fact now that, and I can understand that you would be sensitive to people who are who are victims of abuse. That is, you know, paramount as well. But the funeral is not meant to be glorifying anybody. Yeah. And I think, unfortunately, that's what has happened in many cases. Like, we we'll, we'll commend the person to the Lord, and it's a, a place of consolation for their families. That's what and, it's and it's kind of a kick in the teeth for the, for the priest's family, isn't Absolutely. it? Absolutely. I mean, they are the ones. But not only that, Patricia, the shame that's around the whole area, they are not able to say a word, nothing because they feel so ashamed and they're terrified if anything goes public and you know it's I, I think it's 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 uh, terrible and of course you there's there's the side of uh, of this that you uh, can really touch on mm. uh, and really identify with those that are falsely uh, accused i mean it is the worst thing that can possibly happen to a priest and uh, absolutely and we have a lots of priests who are in limbo. In other words, that maybe there was a case, civil case taken against them, and it was found it's difficult to prove in, in or a criminal case, it's difficult to prove, and nothing has happened since. So what's happening? They're living away their lives, waiting to die, and, and like they're powerless because we don't have any other income. We're totally dependent on the diocese, and if you're religious, order the same. So if you say anything, you're out, and where do you go? What, where do you live? So, and if, if there is a case pending and, and uh, the, 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 the priest dies, is the case just dropped then? It's, that's just the way it is. It's so if somebody was falsely accused, yeah. you, you would never... Oh. Like one of very upsetting things that happened for me now is that I've had an, inqu- an investigation into the way my case was handled. And I don't want to blame people for it, but one of the things that came out of it was, on my file, when I was cleared... Nothing was put there. Nothing. So in other words, in 40 years' time or 50 years' time, if a member of my family went to look and asked and got access, there's nothing saying that I was, uh, I was falsely accused or cleared. It just left there. Oh, that seems unfair. Well, that's, that was found. That was one of the recommendations from the outcome. But anyway, that's a different issue. But, but I, I suppose I, 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 some people might be annoyed and say, oh, this priest looking for their rights again and all that but at the moment these are the most defenceless but he, and even even the people who've been found guilty like who decides who gets a funeral or not what's the criteria yeah yeah 
what is it? Yeah, because I, I mentioned this earlier, you know, it's when, if you know, if you've got a deep faith and you believe, uh, then it's when you get to the pearly gates and, and, and you happens. meet you meet your maker. That's mm. that's when decisions are made, not by somebody down here on earth deciding. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and it's upsetting, I imagine, for, for priests as they're getting older and if they have this hang, are they fearful that if they die... There's one particular man that I'm in contact with now, and that's his biggest fear. He's out of ministry for something that was said for over 40 years ago, and it's, he's in limbo, and he said he's going to be dead. It took me eight years to clear my name. He says, I have no hope, you know. He said, I'm going to die with this thing hanging over him. So it's so. What we want to do is just highlight it, you know, yeah, and, yeah. and maybe Patricia might ring the diocese. The, yeah, there's two or three diocese in the area. There are, and we'll just see. Uh, because do, do you know in this area what is? Is there anything in print saying this is how we handle it? But sure, we're asking for this to be discussed, and we're getting we're not getting a, a hearing really. And uh, one of the reasons you would have joined the Association of Catholic Priests was to get a bit of support. Well, I mean, you you were very isolated at the at the time, or you felt very isolated. Well, I was a member before the accusation, and it just shows that it, you know I, the, the feeling of it is that you 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 hide. I didn't go to the association for help until later, and um, that's the way you feel it. There's a huge shame around it. Um. I know, and yeah. I, when I say that, no, I'm conscious that there are victims and the shame I know, I know. around that as well. And, 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 no, and we will never take from that and we will yeah. never take from, you know, there was priests and nuns mm. and lay people who did such wrong. Yeah. But the other side, for people to be falsely accused, uh, Tim, it's just, it's, it is uh, certainly for a priest with everything that's gone on in this mm. church, uh, it's the worst. It is the worst thing possible, I think, that, that can happen. All right. Okay. Just on a much lighter note, we've been talking about Christmas and all that, and people are saying that the 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 spirit of Christmas doesn't seem to be around this year. I was making the point: is it to do with the weather? Are, are you getting a sense of Christmas? And is it a time of year as as a priest? Is it one of your favourite times of the year? Well, it's 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 lovely at the moment because in the parish, I mean, there's four schools, and the four of them are putting on Christmas concerts. Oh my oh. God, we are at <laughs> Christmas every second. <laughs> Your Christmas out. And but it, it, it's, I suppose Christmas is about children and family and and the families love this. Well, I say it's hot show for some <laughs> on your fifth concert. <laughs> but it's, ah, it's lovely. I think it, 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 maybe commercially it starts too early. Yeah, you yeah know, it's, too, it's too dragged out. Too do they still do nativity plays? Some, as part of the concert now they would do. Uh, a bit of a, uh, some of them do a, a bit of a nativity play, but not not a huge one, no. Ah, as a pity, because I think that's yeah. that, there's something magical, and, you, and you'll have you'll have the couple of kids with the tea towel on their heads. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> and that to me is Christmas. It's oh. it's it's terrific. All right. Okay. If we don't talk before Christmas, okay. have a lovely thanks, one, uh, Father Tim. And Thank thanks you. for joining Bye-bye. us. God bless. Bye-bye. Take care. That is uh, Father Tim Hazelwood from the parish of Killer, who is a member of the Association of uh, Catholic Priests. And it just does seem so so unfair if somebody has been wrongly 
accused and doesn't get even the chance to defend themselves and to prove that they were wrongly accused and then they pass away and then when they pass away the powers that be decide we're going to have this really low-key funeral and it's the family members left behind. I mean, they're they're already obviously dealing with the whole accusations against uh, their loved one but it must be gratefully, greatly upsetting then when they don't get the normal type funeral and, you know, that you, you would expect. Uh, 1850 Taking your uh, calls, you can text her WhatsApp 0862 103 103. Court today with Breedhaven Nursing Home Mallow. It's family run, so your loved one will feel at home. See breedhaven.ie. C103. This is the Court Today replay on C103. Okay, for the caller who was looking for the electric candles in the log that you put into the window at Christmas and obviously it's safer than burning a real candle, Mary in Newcastle West says Begley's Hardware in Newcastle West sell those electric candles in the logs. If that's of any use to your listener. Someone else says the the electric light lit candles are for sale in Birmingham's in Formoy. The Christmas logs, the real ones, you will get them every second Saturday at the Killavullen Farmers Market, says another listener. And Yvonne says, Patricia, my cousin Hilary makes those and has plenty in stock if your caller wants to contact her. And Yvonne has sent me on Hilary, who makes the Christmas logs. We have Hilary's number, if anybody's looking for that. I won't call out Hilary's number over the airwaves, uh, Yvonne, in case that's something she might not want. But thank you. Uh, 1850 333 103. Mallow and Charleville Red. Cross are organising a fundraising spinathon, which will be held on the 8th of December at Extreme Gym at Market Square in Mallow. Joining me, the local Red Cross chairman, and that is David O'Sullivan. Good morning to you, David. Good morning, Patricia. And you are welcome. Tell me the plan for the day. How many people are you hoping will take to the bikes? Uh, well, we are hoping that we'll have a significant number, Patricia. We have um, a session running from 10 in the morning until 4 in the afternoon. There are 30-minute sessions, so two sessions per hour, and there will be eight bikes on each session. So um, eight bikes per session uh, with a leader. Um, so over the, the, the period of time, we would expect that we will have a couple of hundred people taking part in, you, in the process. Do you need to be pretty fit? Uh, I think there'll be different paces for different oh, well people. <laughs> so um, I myself will probably be at the, the, the lower end of the scale and I, I'm reassured that there'll be a Red Cross ambulance on standby <laughs> uh, if need be. So people can still get involved and, and book a slot? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, we're taking bookings. Mary Carey is the person that's leading out on it and she has um, identified a number of leaders. Um, so what we've proposed to do is a leader will take a session for 30 minutes and we've some very well-known local people and international and national. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. 
For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. People, particularly in the area of sport and, and, and politics. For example, we have Karen Reesheen, who is the current Irish bodybuilding champion. Now, can I, can I say, that's one fish woman. I wouldn't be going on a bike next to Karen. <clears throat> Absolutely not, no. I think I think a lot of us will be watching from the side. Um, yeah. But um, and needless to say, Karen's slot is actually filled already yeah. in the morning. But you see, there's loads of people would love the idea of training with Karen. Cause yes. Yeah, yes, she's, she's a bodybuilder. Amazing. Just amazing. Yeah, okay. Somebody to aspire to and is local and is an excellent role model. So, And, and she's representing Ireland in the European Championships in, in Barcelona next year. So we are greatly appreciative of her assistance. So she'll be starting us off and leading us out on the day in question. Okay, who uh, else have you got? We have from the field of politics and Councillor Garoat Murphy, a uh, local politician in the Kentuck Malay area with the Fianna Fáil party. Yeah, uh, Garoat, he's fairly fit, I'd say. I think so, yeah. yeah. He's a, a tall man and looks uh, looks somewhat fit and lean. So, um, okay. um, uh, Garot will be taking the second slot um, and he'll be then followed by Shane Simcox, who's the head coach of Mallow Athletic Club. Another um, fit man. Uh, absolutely, yeah, exceptionally fit. And Mallow AC is an organisation locally that we would have a lot of affiliation with for their events that we cover from a first date and Amnesty point of view. So, Shane is leading out the 11 o'clock um, slot. Um, in that, and I think that'll be a, quite a fit session with a number of Mallow AC athletes um, looking to partake in that 11 o'clock slot itself. Okay. Um, Ashwin Daly is taking the 11.30 slot. She's a teacher of English and Geography at St. Mary's Secondary School and she's a qualified personal trainer and has been the lady captain of Mallow Golf Club. Um, so uh, Ashling is coming mid-morning to take her, her session and following Ashling will be Heather O'Brien who will be well known locally also as the um, Irish national and international rugby player um, uh, local physiotherapist in, in the Beach Street in Mallow You really have to go on for the first ones Absolutely absolutely there's a good mix um, Yeah that's uh, so great So the morning seems to be the, the peak um, uh, in the context of fitness um, at lunchtime we have the almost Tin Lizzy group that played recently in the Arches uh, in, in the the fundraising events there comprising of Mike Boyle, Jonathan Madden, uh, Danny Brosnan and Chuck Crowley. So, so it's, be a to, fun it's one. to make it a fun day as well. Yeah, absolutely. A fun, a fun day. Yeah. And what, what, talk to me about why you need to fundraise and why, it, why it's so uh, important. I suppose we would have spoken to you before, Patricia, about our, our base in Mallow behind the swimming pool, which has been a significant commitment. Um, it has cost us in excess of €400,000 to build. Uh, it's nearing completion with retention finishing and we would hope that we will formally open it um, in the coming year. Um, there are plans being made for President of Ireland, um, uh, Michael Higgins, to come and open it as he is the President of the Irish Red Cross organisation. Wow, well. that'll be fab. So yeah, it'll be yeah. great community day. So, but we, we have built it uh, and developed it without any state funding um, or state um, support. Um, uh, so it has been on our own shoulders to raise... You've done the whole lot through fundraising? Yes, yes. And was there no but, grants that you could get? 
Uh, we received assistance from Cork County Council in relation to the community grant aid um, in, in previous years for parts of the build, so right. for the gates, um, some of the infrastructure, um, etc. within it. But the overall build was um, done completely by the local committee that have done fundraising to Trashgate Collections, Flag Days, the events that we cover on a, on a weekend, weekend out basis and an ongoing basis. So all of that money goes towards the build and That's incredible. Bills. And yeah. why, why, just remind us why this space is so important? Uh, I suppose it's it's there to house the ambulances. We have five ambulance vehicles in, in Mallow-Charleville Red Cross, three which are four by four specialist vehicles. And people will be familiar with those, Patricia, during the bad weather events of snow and ice and wind and rain, which we had earlier this year with Storm Emma and, and again facing into this winter. And again, all of those are are, are fundraised for so we buy those and we equip them and make them fit for purpose out of all of the local money that we raise so this Spinaton is our annual fundraising event for this year you'll recall last year we had Rachel Allen on the food night in the arches yeah. this year it's going to be the Spinaton in, ex- in association with Extreme Gym who have very kindly given us eight Spinaton bikes and instructors for the day in question that will link in with the leaders and, and some of the other leaders that we have would be Councilor John Paul O'Shea who will be very familiar with in Dunabarrow again from Mallow Tri Club Wayne O'Donnell from Operation transformation. Oh, well done. Wayne is great. Absolutely. Yeah. And then probably for the people down in the Midwest direction, particularly the Charleville area, which is the other area that we cover, Nikki Quaid, um, the All-Ireland winning goalkeeper from yeah. Limerick, yeah. has committed to come. So time will be confirmed with Nikki because they're returning to training um, on the Saturday. But Nikki has assured us that he will be leading on a session as well. So all of these local people and, and indeed national and international people have hugely come on board to help us with this. And we hope it will be very much a family fun day and we will have a raffle for a signed Munster jersey, uh, a Christmas hamper. We have a Lily O'Brien chocolate hamper with a gorgeous teddy bear. So we are hoping to make it a family event on the day between 10 and, and 4 on the and 8th it's of the, December. Yeah, which is the big shopping day. So it's, it's it going to be a big day, a busy day in town. So people can it take is, time yeah. out and just pop in and see what's going on Absolutely, and, just and support it's, it's, you. Yeah, we're going to have it on the Market Square itself, Patricia. So it'll be out in the open. Oh, great. So people yeah. can pass and see it. All right, that's good. Absolutely, cool. that's where terrific. the old Butcher Market used to be outside Costa between the Dunstores Complex and Market Square yeah. and the Extreme Gym itself. Well done. So, well yeah, done. it'll be and you know, good weather. It's interesting. You mentioned uh, Storm Emma and the Beast from the East uh, back earlier this year. It's but a distant memory now. But, but, but you guys at the Red Cross, I mean, you really came into your own during, uh, during those um, few days. Yes, I suppose people... I suppose traditionally don't think about us until times of need or time of emergency or crisis and we're there to serve the local community and the public that is our role on a voluntary basis and we assist the HSC particularly with hospital transportation the ambulance service public health uh, and community services all of which wouldn't run without the assistance of some of the voluntary subgroups such as ourselves uh, and transportation is a big issue uh, and over that period of Storm Emma at the end of, of, of February and March Patricia, our local volunteers did over 3,000 voluntary hours of, of taskings um, for the HSC particularly And all, all done on a voluntary basis Every single hour is done yeah. on a voluntary basis um, Patricia uh, and that's the work that's probably not seen until people need us in, in times yeah. of need okay. you know and it's a challenge for us to try and keep that going and, and this is the, the reason for the spin on as a fundraising effort Okay and you always in, do, you, are you, do you always put shout outs for volunteers or do you We have do enough, yeah. absolutely yeah uh, uh, it, it remains a challenge to get people on board because quite often we bring people from a young age we have our teddy bears starting at four and five years of age every Saturday morning and we bring them up to leaving certain age as regards um, 
from cadets and novices and seniors but there's a natural attrition where people go to college or move on to work yeah Yeah, so we are always looking for local people that have an interest we provide all the training and the education and the safety courses and it's about being involved in a local community group um, that's there to help the community when it's needed and And picking up great skills as well yes absolutely many of our members have gone on to the National Ambulance Services, yeah, paramedics and yeah. advanced paramedics and others have gone into the fields of medicine and nursing. So it's a good stepping stone and gives them a taste and appreciation of the area of, of, of health care and being able to help people in times of need. And I imagine a great sense of camaraderie and, and you know, you're, you're like a, a team effort. Everybody gets on with everybody. Yeah, I, I suppose I'm, I'm showing my age now, um, but I'm not <laughs> as old as what you might think. But I'm, I'm in Red Cross locally in excess of 30 years. And, and the friends that I have um, now today are there since my younger days. And we maintain that oh, commitment. Brilliant. And while people aren't able to give as much time as maybe they might have in the past with families and jobs, etc., invariably in times of need and times of large duties like the Charleville Agricultural Show, the Charleville Half Marathon, the Mallow 10, for all of those big duties, we call on all of those volunteers to come back to us, particularly those with skills such as paramedics, advanced paramedics, and they doctors do. and nurses. And they do. They all come they back, do. yeah. yeah. yeah and it, allows, it also allows local community events to, to happen, Patricia, which people yeah. mightn't readily recognise. You know, without the ambulances and the people in those ambulances providing cover. We um, wouldn't have those events. events. Yeah, yes, we wouldn't. Yeah. You're dead right. You're dead right. Listen, the best of luck with the Spinathon. We'll remind listeners again of it uh, closer to the time because it is uh, Saturday week. But listen, pleasure Saturday as week. always, uh, David, to talk to you. Uh, and best of luck to everybody involved at the Red Cross. Thank uh, you Mallow very much. Sure. God we bless. appreciate it as always. Bye-bye now. Thanks for that. Bye-bye, David O'Sullivan, Chair of the Mallow Charleville uh, Red Cross. I know that tears are rolling down your face And it feels like yours was the only heart to break When you come back home and all the lights are out And you're getting used to no one else being around
That's Jess Glynn on C103 and I'll be there for you on a bit of reaction coming in on Father Tim Hazelwood who joined us about priests who die when facing accusations of sexual abuse have been denied traditional church uh, funerals and one of the things was that the diocese has recommended that you don't publish the death of the priest so no death notice be published either on the radio on rp.ie or in the papers Mag said I thought all deaths had to be announced obviously not uh, Mags and some calls in Margaret said what about the trust between the people and the priest what about the shame of the person that's carrying the abuse around with them and could not talk to anybody about it the corruption in the Catholic Church is disgusting I'm livid listening to Father Tim this morning says says Margaret and Alice says I'm 100% in agreement with what Father Tim has had to say if a priest is wrongly accused that should be they should be forgetting if a priest is wrong, they should be forgetting. But I disagree with the ruling made. The priest loses everything the day he dies. Sorry, I'm a, anyway, Alice is agreeing with Father Tim and her main point is it's the Lord forgives everything and that is how it should be. While Father Tim is talking about that's a man-made rule and it is very wrong. 1850 Some of your thoughts coming in. OK, we're going to take a break. We have news at 11 News at 12 even on the way we'll catch up with more of your thoughts and comments uh, coming in and we're also going to be dealing with the rather difficult uh, topic of self-harm uh, with Joe in the next hour Court Today with Breedhaven Nursing Home Mallow it's family run so your loved one will feel at home see breedhaven.ie C103 So Dave for a thousand euro the femur is a bone in the nose the leg or the arm Um. There are biology students all over the country shouting at the radio. Making the right choice is easy when you have all the info. So before you decide if private health insurance is right for you, check out the facts at hia.ie. Gonna need an answer, Dave. Arm. No, leg. HIA. We're here to make things clear. From the Health Insurance Authority. The Big Noel DC used car event is now on. Save thousands on top quality used cars. For big deals and even bigger savings, call to the Noel DC used car event in Blackpool. Save thousands on top quality used cars. Visit noeldc.com today. The Aer Lingus Black Friday deals have landed. Right now, you can make incredible savings of up to €100 Euro of return flights to North America. So why not bag yourself a bargain to the Big Apple? Discover the incredible sights in Seattle. Or treat yourself to an amazing city break in Chicago. Smart gets a Black Friday flight deal. Smart flies Aer Lingus. Book now at aerlingus.com. Offer subject to conditions and availability. I'm Biddy, the fairy cock mother. Ready and on call to make sure Cinderella will make it to the ball and show up her ugly sisters who might be dressed in silk but have the kind of faces that would surely sour milk. And you're invited, all of you, to join the fun and thrill. So come along and see us. You'll be amazed. Oh, yes, you will. This Christmas, C103 presents Cinderella at the Everyman from December 1st. Join us for the ultimate panto experience with sensational singing and dancing and non-stop laughter. See everymancork.com for more. Book your tickets now for Cinderella. With C103. On FM. Online. Online. And on your phone. This is C103 News.
It's midday. Good afternoon. I'm Barry O'Mahony. Public representatives say they're still hopeful that the controversial Waterloo Junction on the Cork Mallow Road will reopen before Christmas. The junction was closed to facilitate road resurfacing works, but has failed to reopen to traffic since the middle of the year. Cork County Council initially sought to permanently close the junction on safety grounds, but this was met by strong resistance in the local community and beyond. A left-in, left-out option is now progressing and the final decision will be made in an executive capacity by the council. Local County Councillor Bob Ryan says it's now out of the hands of the members of the Blarney McCroom Municipal Authority, but he expects that the alternative option will be delivered within weeks. It's progressing as a left-in, left-out with um, some barriers down the centre of the road to, to make it safe that people won't be uh, coming out of the junction and trying to, uh, attempting to head for Cox City. It's progressing and progressing as per the plan and it's, uh, we've been assured by, by the executive, the engineer, that it will be open for Christmas. A woman in her 50s is being treated in hospital after a house fire in County Cork. It happened at Willison Meadows in Blarney early this morning. The alarm was raised by neighbours just after 6.30am. The woman was rescued from the house by fire brigade personnel and taken to Cork University Hospital for treatment. 355 Cork schools are in line to benefit from a minor works grant which will go towards small-scale building and improvements. Payment of the grant follows a commitment under Project Ireland 2040 and will be paid on an annual basis to all primary schools. The flat rate grant is for €5,500 with additional funding for mainstream and special needs pupils. Schools will have discretion under the Minor Works Grant Scheme in relation to their small-scale projects and improvements. Cork Finnegale Senator Tim Lombard is advising all school authorities to use the grant to prioritise fire safety prevention works. A rally will take place in Limerick this afternoon to highlight the levels of violence against women. From one o'clock, campaigners will gather at O'Connell Street to remember those who have died through domestic abuse. The ceremony is a joint initiative between a number of services who support women and children in the region. Jess Angland of Adapt Domestic Abuse Services says they're expecting a strong crowd in support of today's protest. Really what we're going to do is highlight the issue of domestic violence and in particular we're commemorating the 226 women who have lost their lives um, from domestic violence in Ireland since 1996. Um, So really what we're doing I suppose is just bringing the public's awareness to the issue Um, and of course it's the beginning of the 16 days of action on violence against women. 10,000 tonnes of waste packaging is being brought into Ireland every year through online shopping. It's the same as the total amount of packaging that Carlo Arenas would produce in a full year. A new report by Repack shows it costs more than half a million euro to collect and recycle the waste. Chief Executive of Repack, Seamus Clancy, says online retailers have an unfair advantage when it comes to the cost of recycling. These big multinational um, online retailers, they need to take their corporate environmental leadership position on this and actually step up to the plate without having any legislation in place. Along with that, then, we're also saying to the uh, government, like, there needs to be proactive environmental policies put in place to ensure that these large online retailers are accountable for the impact they're having on the environment here in Ireland. The latest sport. In Champions League, soccer group stages continue tonight and both Manchester clubs are in action. City can finally seal their place in the knockout phase. A point away to Lyon will see them into the last 16 and a win will see the Premier League leaders confirmed as the Group F winners. 
United will look to end a run of three home Champions League games without a win. Jose Mourinho's side welcome Group H bottom side young boys to Old Trafford. But United have struggled at home this season, winning just three of nine games. Jose Mourinho reluctant to speculate about why that might be. When I am open to you and when I try to analyse things with you and when I try to be honest with you, there are always the illuminated that criticise me because of that, so I think it's better not to speak too much. In cycling, tributes are being paid to Irish cyclist Philip Dignan, who's announced his retirement after 14 years of professional racing. The letter Kenny man who's been riding for Team Sky since 2014, is calling it a day at the age of 35. During his career, Dignan rode 10 grand tours and picked up two professional wins, including a stage of the Volta A. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Councillor Ian Doyle was on to say congratulations to David O'Sullivan, who we spoke to in the last hour, chair of the Mallow Charleville Red Cross on their Spinathon event. And please, please support them because they're just doing amazing work. But Councillor Ian Doyle points out that only for the Red Cross at the Charleville show, they wouldn't be able to run the event. They're also involved in the half marathon in Charleville as well. And there are many events like that that would not take place, community events that would not happen if it wasn't for the volunteer. And they're volunteers that give up their time uh, freely and willingly and go out and man the ambulances and man various medical stations. They, they really are a great bunch. And keep it in mind if it's something, if you're looking for a new hobby for the new year, you won't go far wrong, I'll tell you, by joining your local uh, Red Cross. Thank you for that, um, Ian. Thornhills in Skibbereen sell electric candles. Somebody's been on the phone to say that. While Mary was on to say, I think Christmas is totally gone. This is when we're talking about that there doesn't seem to be as much festive feeling about Christmas this year. You know, and is it to do with the weather? What's it to do with... Uh, Mary reckons it's it's not just this year, it's gone completely, that true feeling and meaning of Christmas. She says, what can you have at Christmas now that you can't have at any other time of the year? Mary says years ago when she was growing up as a child, Christmas came and there was a novelty to a Christmas cake, to minerals, to the turkey, to the ham, to the, pres- to the presents. That's all gone now. Children today have so much yeah, is that one of the reasons why we're losing that true spirit of Christmas? Somebody else, actually, I Mary, I think will agree with you, who says, uh, Morning, Patricia, how can it look or feel like Christmas when people are putting up their decorations in the month of August? Right? I don't know if anybody has put them up as early as the month of August, but certainly I have spotted on social media that people, as soon as Halloween was over, so it's the end of October, People were putting up Christmas decorations and that to me is just a tad, tad early. But then you have people who absolutely love Christmas and they feel the earlier they get the decorations up, the better. And for others, they get them up and then they can't wait uh, to take them down. And actually on Christmas and trying to stay in that the Christmas uh, spirit, uh, Philip says, we have been following a lovely tradition here in the parish of Clonakilty called and I hope I'm pronouncing this right, Bambinelli Sunday, Bambinelli Sunday, where the figure of the baby Jesus is brought into the church. This year it's going to happen on the 16th of December. The figure of the baby Jesus is blessed and then it's wrapped to be the first present to be opened in the house on Christmas morning. Isn't that such a sweet, lovely idea? And that happens in, I don't know, many other churches, but it happens in the parish, in the parish church in uh, Clonakilty, Bambinelli Sunday. 
What a lovely, lovely idea. Mark it if you want to go along in your diary for the 16th of December. Now, what else is coming in to us on the priests? And this was the issue that we spoke with Father Tim Hazelwood, who's a member of the Association of Catholic Priests. And as an association, they are highlighting the fact that priests who die while facing accusations of sexual abuse are denied traditional church uh, funerals. Um, This is by email. Hi, Patricia. I totally agree that no one should should decide how somebody is buried. False accusations are horrendous. On the other hand, the church and the clergy did decide that unbaptized babies should not be buried in consecrated ground. It was the church and the clergy who frowned on unmarried mothers. Heartbroken families went in the dead of the night to bury stillborn babies and were so fearful of the clergy that they attended Mass the following Sunday. So never judge be mindful of your actions, yeah? And you're talking about a very dark, dark part and dark history of the Catholic Church in this country. I, I do think that the burying of the little babies in the unconsecrated ground, and I take it every single cemetery, older cemetery certainly in Ireland, has a section where the the babies were buried in the unmarked graves. And I, I vividly remember as a child because my dad died when we were all so young. So we used to do regular trips to the graveyard. We'd walk to the graveyard to visit dad's grave. And that corner, I remember I remember mum talking about that corner of the graveyard and how all the little babies were the stillborn babies or the babies that born uh, that were born and died shortly after birth and they hadn't been baptised how they were buried in that corner and the, that corner was unconsecrated and there was no markings and, and I can remember as a child thinking how wrong that seemed I, I suppose I didn't have the vocabulary to articulate it or argue it um, but I just I remember thinking it seemed such a lonely corner of the graveyard and for families to have gone through that and to have lost a child in that way and we know now God we recognise now so only only too well and rightly so the grief that a mother and a father and a family go through when a baby dies either you know just before birth or during or after after birth when when newborn babies uh, die and that sense of loss for a family and a mother walking out of a hospital without you know bringing a baby with her it's it's just awful and and we recognise it and we encourage people to go for counselling and they do get counselling and you have groups like Anam Cara who work with uh, people who've lost children and they, and they and they work with people who've lost uh, babies and there's wonderful wonderful organisations that work to try to heal the hurt and the pain of that loss and to think not that long ago the Catholic Church were almost frowning on those uh, women and they weren't allowed to talk about it and they didn't talk about it you know you wonder how those how those women ever kept going and they did keep going and many of them had to go home and they had huge, large families and uh, they and they kept going. They were they were strong women uh, indeed and, and must not be forgotten. Thank you for that email to Patricia at c103.ie. We were talking about, is this tied in with hunting? I suppose it is, but on a kind of a lighter note, Michael in Bantry says, Trish, in the 80s, there was a lot of, or maybe this was to do with the donkey sanctuary. So, sorry, I mentioned somebody from Beira had been to the wonderful donkey sanctuary in Escarol and was 
saying how fantastic it was. Uh, Michael says, in the 80s, there was a lot of donkey racing. I was racing a donkey called the Minstrel. He was known as the fastest donkey in Ireland. It belonged to the O'Keefe family in Butterfant. Happy days and happy memories, says Michael from uh, Butterfant. Thank you for that. Over, this is uh, on hunting. John and Jarva says over 20 years ago, John had a farm rented that I'm assuming was in the Charleville area. He put a notice on the gate saying no entry and no hunting, please. And one evening he went to load cattle. The cattle, he noticed, were very agitated and the bull actually attacked him and John ended up in hospital. He later discovered from somebody else that the hunt had been in and on his land, even though there was clearly a sign saying do not enter and no hunting. The hunt had gone through, regardless of the sign, had gone through John's land, frightened the lands, the, the livestock. And then John subsequently discovered, obviously, when he came out of hospital, that they actually damaged fencing as well. He complained to the Gardaí, but absolutely nothing was done about it. And that was 20 years ago. So it was going on then. It's still going on uh, now. Also, John says this is on the water quality. Uh, When we spoke with the EPA about their report that's out, he says that most people who have their own wells are very aware of the quality of the water they are drinking. People with piped water have no control over the quality. He says it's a ploy to introduce a tax on private wells, according to, to John. The ploy being getting... Well, the EPA was saying on the private wells you didn't need to register. You need to register your private wells if members of the public are using it. I mean, he was talking about... Or, she, or Michelle was talking about hospitals that might have a private well or nursing homes or restaurants or sporting clubs, you know, that will have a private well. They have to uh, register. But she was saying for... for people in private houses you don't need to register but you're saying you need to get it checked you need to make sure you're regularly having your water uh, tested was what she's suggesting but anyway um, John is just all a bit suspicious about all of this I'm wondering are they trying are they trying to do something to introduce a tax on private wells and when we were talking about farmers spreading slurry too near and they're not allowed to. We were explaining, somebody was on saying there's a buffer. There's a buffer zone that's, uh, it was Joe explained it very clearly in his text saying that there is a 25 metre buffer zone surrounding wells and that must be respected by uh, farmers because if they don't respect it, that's how bugs get into the wells. But Joe did make the point that no enforcement of the powers that be and he reckons that that's what causes a problem for a lot of private wells when they do get contaminated but it can be very dangerous if you get bad contamination with the E. coli. Somebody says where were planners going giving planning permission near agricultural land? So if you own a house that's near agricultural land and near land where farmers are spreading uh, slurry then are the planners were the, were the planners at fault day one in granting that planning permission but that's going to where if we go down that track and I open the phone lines on that we're into why you know people who want a son or daughter to build a house on land near them lots of people want to do that and do that and obviously they are building near agricultural land but I suppose the, the point you'd put forward there if you're building if you're giving land to build a house to your own son or daughter you're going to know exactly where the water supply is and surely you're not going to do anything as silly as that 
as spreading slurry anywhere near that 25 metre buffer zone. I just wonder how much, how many farmers break that rule or, or do farmers, you know, do their very best to stick rigidly to that, to keeping the 25 metre buffer zone. 1850-333-103. Tony in Skibbereen, I don't know if I have an answer yet for you, Tony, but Tony was one of the first texts we got in this morning saying, Trisha, just wondering, was there any update on the calves in Bearer that were stuck in the sea cave uh, yesterday? I know I mentioned your comment the minute it came in, uh, Tony in Skibbereen. I passed it on to John Paul, but I know, I know, by the way, the phones have been, and looking out the window, I have John Paul sitting outside the glass in front of me. I know how busy he's been. I know he was to get on to John and Bearer, who was was the gentleman yesterday who was the one who got on to us to see if we could do anything about it. The last we heard, certainly when we came off air yesterday, the last we heard was the Gardaí were involved and I'm sure a lifeboat was being tasked. So we are uh, we are on t- trying to get on top of it and if we, we hopefully I will I'll get something before the close of the programme and update you. But nice of you to think about those uh, calves. We have a lot of our listeners are animal lovers and hate absolutely hate to see or think of any animal uh, in distress and I know already John Paul was sending in some commentary that had come in on Facebook because we put Michael Scanlon's story about his much loved cat being mauled to death by the hounds the weekend before uh, last by the hunting hounds Uh, Amanda says OMG that's horrific because we put a picture up on Facebook I haven't seen the picture I can't look at the picture and there is a warning that it's a graphic photograph hunting should be banned said Amanda how can there be any enjoyment in killing and watching an animal being torn to shreds for sport how cruel and how barbaric and one final WhatsApp in from Michael O'Sullivan in Castletown Bear says Hi Patricia I'm not trying to sell the examiner or anything but anybody interested in Brexit should read Fergus Finley's column in today's Irish Examiner it's brief it's to the point and it's most informative to the ordinary reader on Brexit. It's an excellent read, as always, uh, Fergus. I love the way Fergus Finney writes and he always manages to nail it in layman's terms. He always... I've never read something that I've had to stop and think about. What points he actually tried to make there? He nails it. He nails it. I haven't... I've, I spotted it. I have it as... Because I have to go through so many papers in the morning, I don't get the opportunity many times before I come on air to go in-depth into a lot of the of the columns. But it is one of the ones, funny enough, Mar- uh, Michael, that I had uh, earmarked. And I read a lot about Brexit. And there are times when I get very confused as to what's going on on Brexit. So it'll be good to read Fergus, Fergus Finley's Guide to Brexit. So if, if people are confused... And there are. Listen, I have countless discussions with people who will uh, say, I, have, I don't know what's going on. Brexit I'm totally confused about it and I try my best to get a handle on it and then I think I have a handle on it and then something happens or I'll hear something and go oh I don't quite understand that one that I tell you that I'm trying my best to get a handle on and that I was only doing some research on this morning before I came on air about it and one that's going to affect a lot of people is drugs and medicine that you get every month when you go along to your pharmacy and you collect it and you turn up every you give in your prescription every month and you expect every month to pick up your prescription there are there is a shortage on some items of some medicines that are dispensed these are the ones prescription only uh, medicines because they're stockpiling from what I can gather the stockpiling is going on in the United Kingdom because if there's a hard Brexit 
the they're going to have a problem in the United Kingdom accessing some medicine. So it looks like there's stockpiling going on. And because the stockpiling going on and production is just motoring along as it normally does, uh, it's leading to problems accessing for pharmacies in this country. And this must be right across Europe as well, accessing certain drugs because there must be a mountain growing somewhere on certain drugs in the United Kingdom because they know if there's a hard Brexit they're going to have a problem getting the drugs for the patients in England. So they've decided to jump ahead of the gun and stockpile them. That's something I think we're going to be hearing a lot more about and that will, will really, really become a problem if we do have a hard Brexit which we're all on our hands and knees praying and hoping that we won't. 1850 333 103 lines open. The C103 Cork Diary. With Cork County Council. Supporting businesses, supporting communities, serving Cork. Visit corkcoco.ie. Glanworth Active Retirement Group, they've organised a trip to the Phil Coulter concert, which is happening on Sunday the 2nd of December in Ballymaloo Grain Store. and commences with a meal followed by a concert. There are a few tickets still available. It's bus, meal and concert, all in for €100. More details from Glanworth uh, Active Retirement Club. Contact Mora 025. 38201. The Travellers of North Cork Group are launching a bereavement pack with important information on funeral services, legal information on wills and financial support and they're launching that today. The Irish Blood Transfusion Service they are holding donor clinics at the Cork Racecourse in Mallow between five and half past eight today. And a talk and film on the history of Charles Fort in Kinsale and the work being carried out there will be delivered at the Men's Shed, the Glen in Kinsale, eight o'clock tonight. A list of 180 names of people from Kinsale who served in the First World War will also be available. And to celebrate National Library Week, Yall Library are hosting an open day in the library today. It's the, been officially launched by the Deputy Lord Mayor, Councillor Mary Lenahan Foley, who is, of course, a native of uh, uh, Yall. And other special guests include well-known author and broadcaster who's joined us in the studio only recently, uh, Colm Keane and his wife, Una O'Hagan, former newsreader with RTE. And Davis College in Mallow are presenting Aladdin, the pantomime, that's tomorrow, uh, running through until Friday, half past seven, nightly, and tickets available from Davis College. And the Sunshine Players are presenting their play, A Pot of Spuds. It's a two-act comedy in the Amelia Theatre in Mallow on Thursday of this week at half past seven. All are welcome. Tickets, five euro booking at 0878877922. This is the Cork Today replay on C103. Here's an urgent appeal that I've just received in by WhatsApp. Let's see if we can help out some listeners. Patricia, I would like to find out where the post box for the new post office in Mitchellstown is. I've been walking up and down outside and I've just passed two old ladies who are also looking to post letters. Can you try and find out where the post box is in Mitchellstown, please? I've been looking now for 30 minutes and one of the old ladies has gone into the pub asking, do they know where to post uh, letters? Now I've got on the Avenue newspaper uh, on, on their site and they have an article from the beginning of November saying that the post office in Mitchellstown has moved to the new unit at 
Farrell's uh, super value. This is like a lot of post offices now, unfortunately, when we're losing some of our smaller post offices, they're moving into supermarkets. So that's what's happened in Mitchellstown's at Farrell's super value, where they say they offer the full range of unpost postal financial and communications products and services. So I'm assuming that this WhatsApper went, did you go into the post office and ask, maybe there isn't a post box outside but is there one? Can you hand it in at the counter? Anyway, we'll see if there's any listeners in the Mitchellstown area, please. Can you tell us where is the post box for the new post office in Mitchellstown? We have uh, this person, this poor man off his head, 30, we have to get 30 minutes exercise. I'll give you that. You have 30 minutes exercise. Okay, straight away, a WhatsApp sim. It's outside Super Value, the old shoe shop. Thank you, whoever sent that in. Okay, so it's outside Super Value, the old shoe shop. And I'll, what I'll do, I'll paste and copy that message just as you can do on WhatsApp. And I'll WhatsApp it back to, let me see, WhatsApp it back to the other gentleman. Let me get this, let me paste this and there it's gone. Okay, so hopefully, and then if if that gentleman can go running after the two ladies and the one who's in the pub, maybe she stopped for a tipple and uh, pass on the information there. Thank you for that, the power of radio and all that and the speed of social media. You really can't beat it. Afternoon, Patricia, you've been talking about Christmas and the spirit of Christmas and are we losing the spirit of Christmas and why is it not feeling as Christmassy this year as it has on previous years? Well, on Christmas, can I share something with you that drives me absolutely crazy? People putting candles lit the electric are the real ones in all windows in their house and they do it from early December. They seem to have never heard of the 12 days of Christmas. I'm barely 50 and I would have always been aware that one candle is lit for each of the 12 days only. Does anybody else feel this way about the candles? So there's someone drives somebody absolutely potty when you, and you see I'm the opposite. I would yeah. I know I know the point you're keeping very much in with the tradition of, of Christmas and it is lovely to keep in with uh, certain traditions and Alice Taylor would only have that candle lighting on Christmas Eve is when she would light the candle that goes in the window. I love, and I'm assuming that's what you're talking about, where when people light up their homes and we're gone very American with the way we decorate the outside of our houses. But I love if you have a house with a lot of windows and the candles are lighting in each window, the electric ones, obviously, you wouldn't be putting lighted candles in the windows for fear of a fire. I like that look. But you're making the point that by going down that route, you're taking away from what is the tradition. And the tradition is 12 days of Christmas and you light one candle for each of the 12 days. Uh, 1850-333-103. I don't know if that bothers or troubles anybody else, but it does with one of our listeners. The latest on the calves that we had a report yesterday who were stuck in some kind of a sea cave uh, down Beira Way. It now turns out they're not calves, they're goats. And they're still stuck there and we're still working on it and trying to get that uh, sorted. So thank you to people who've taken uh, time out uh, to inquire as to how those animals are doing. 1850 Joe Heffernan uh, joins me on this Tuesday afternoon. Good afternoon to you, Joe. Good afternoon, Patricia. Uh, and Joe, we want to talk about what is a very, very serious subject and a very distressing subject for any family going through it. And this is the issue of uh, self-harm. And the reason we're highlighting it today is you've had a call in from a mother whose uh, daughter is uh, self-harming. And I suppose the, the first thing to do is to, is to try to outline what is self-harm and just explain that to listeners. OK, and it sounds um, rather 
extraordinary that someone would self-harm. But what it is, is someone actually inflicts physical harm on themselves, um, usually without anyone else knowing. Um, and what it is, really, is um, uh, an expression of emotional distress. Uh, people, uh, young people uh, might uh, indulge in um, uh, behaviour like cutting or burning or biting or hitting, pulling out hair. We often talked about trichotillomania, which is the, that particular one, or scratching and picking at sores on skin. Um, so it takes those forms. Um, I suppose the one that, um, that I hear about most anyway um, would be cutting. Um, yeah, using what, like a blade, a knife? Yeah. Oh. And um, God, it's, uh, just, it's so hard. It's so hard to comprehend, isn't it? The pain of it. Yeah, yeah. And what it is really is a distraction from our our our, our an inappropriate attempt um, uh, to um, to deal with deep emotional pain. Um, one of the things I'd like to say straight away, and we'll do more next week in talking to parents, but um, it's not a suicide attempt. Yeah. Um, and, and that's very important to know, like. And it, neither is it just attention-seeking, um, and neither is the person likely to, to injure anyone else. And is it often very hidden? I beg your pardon? Is it often very hidden before a family would even oh, know Oh, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. I mean, the tops, even in summer, will have long sleeves, etc. Um, it, will, it will be for the person uh, doing the self-harm. Um, uh, it, it will be kept secret for as long as the person can keep it secret. Um, like, some young people um, might be feeling desperate about a problem, they don't know where to turn for help. Now, what they don't understand is that help is at hand and that a loving parent um, is only more than willing to to listen um, with understanding and to support them. Um, uh, but they can feel trapped and they can feel helpless. And even though that there are people uh, who love them and who would be only... Um, more than willing to help, um, uh, the person feels that uh, that this self-harming gives them some form of control. Um, uh, you, you'd, uh, you'd also maybe hear of people, young people, who would be dealing with, like, anger uh, um, uh, that's, as it were, uh, bottled up inside. And... Um, you know, the way you'd hear people even saying, um, I felt like exploding. Mm. Well, that kind of uh, feeling then, um, uh, some young people will self-harm to relieve that tension. Or it could be even a form of self-loathing. That um, if, if, if a young person felt guilt uh, or shame or for some reason that they did not like themselves, uh, this might be a way of punishing uh, herself or himself. It's more prevalent in uh, young girls, but it also happens um, with with young men. That's interesting that it's more prevalent in young girls, isn't it? Um, 
sorry, Patricia. I said it's interesting that. Uh, why, yes. why, why, yeah. why would you see it? Why do you think it's more for girls? The girls do than boys. Maybe, maybe, and you know, off the top of my head, maybe that girls um, uh, uh, feel their emotions uh, more, um, more deeply. Maybe um, that boys have a more sort of uh, robust ways of, say, getting rid of anger. We'll say on the hurling pitch or on the football pitch. Yeah. Um, uh, but the 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 statistics would be that um, that that uh, with, with girls. Um, the 15 to 19 year age group um, would be more, more prevalent and for young men it would be the 20, 24 year olds. Um, I and mean, it's interesting the, the, the on reasons are, are, are myriad, you know. Yeah, absolutely. But it's interesting what you say about, you know, the self-loathing. I was listening to, and actually there's lovely pictures that were all over the papers today, uh, that very, very brave uh, woman, Lavinia, uh, Kerwick, oh, yeah. who you know, and who was raped many years ago, went yeah. to horrific trial, and then to watch a rapist uh, walk away, even though he he admitted to doing it, yeah. and she literally said the day after the court case, her anorexia, she stopped eating. She said she literally did. it kicked in straight away, she and did. it was a self-loathing. Yeah, yeah, and and in a way, eating disorders. They, they, they're self-harm. Would they be classed? Yeah, yeah. Oh, without doubt. And that's why there's one of the resources that we will mention as we go along would be body-wise. Because, um, yeah, I mean, I would have uh, uh, a couple of articles there that I would have saved from the time of Lavinia when she was uh, almost, oh, I don't know, four or five stone, um, almost disappeared. And... Um, then she had her child later and is uh, a fine, healthy young woman now, um, not as young as she was, um, uh, where you saw her there on the TV news, uh, uh, was it yesterday or the day before? Yeah. Um, and she, you know, she seemed like a very healthy woman. Yeah, thank which God. Which is great. Yeah, so thank, yeah. The I, message I was there, like, would be too that people do come from this. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I when when I saw her and and you can see her for there there's as it's funny the people of a certain generation will remember and her name Lavinia was so unusual and all of that. But my image of her at the time was when she went public about the anorexia. Yeah. And she went down to something like two and a half stone, and she looked like something out of a concentration camp oh, and it's an image I will always carry in my mind of, of that woman and then to see her yesterday I just thought well yeah. done well, and she's done so much yeah. for other rape victims she's, she, yeah. she is but yes but she's living proof uh, leaving aside the awfulness of what happened to her with the rape and the trial but she's living proof that somebody can get their can get their life together oh, and, yeah. and, lead, and lead a normal life when okay, the old survivors uh, uh, when the wish for survival kicks in it's amazing what people can do and uh, it is within our power to change our lives completely. Um, that's, I mean, I've seen examples of that all through my life, um, including my own. And um, it's, uh, it's, it's encouraging to hear that, you know. 
And when when young people start to open up and talk about self-harming and obviously they're asked um, why they do it, what, what do you hear from people? Oh, in, in, uh, as, as the reasons that young people would do that. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, they feel that the pressure that they're under had become too, too much, too okay. much. And, and that this was, now, you and I and, uh, and you know, it's a very inappropriate way, but that's their way of re, uh, re- relieving that tension. Um, you know, you even have this um, idea that when, when uh, that blood can take away these bad feelings. Now, when a person is feeling like numb, like they're not part of the world, mm. that they're they're um, feeling cut off. Well, then the pain makes them feel more alive, and um, makes them aware of their I I am in the world. I can feel that pain. The as I mentioned a while ago, it can be a sort of self punishment if one is feeling shame or guilt. Yeah. Um, and uh, in a way too, it's a way of communicating. Um, I need help. Um, it is absolutely a cry for help. Yeah, yeah, and um, and and that's why I think it's uh, important to say, like, um, um, <coughs> for say a parent who's listening, that that it is not a suicide attempt. Now, one would have to add to that that it's not necessarily a suicide attempt, but. Um, uh, some people, a great minority, but some people who self-harm uh, are uh, at a greater risk of, um, of of maybe taking their own lives. Uh, that would be now if the emotional problems underlying, underneath, associated with self-harm, if these escalate or are not dealt with at all, um, then it can become for the person... Um, uh, they, they, they would be at risk of suicide. So it's very important that um, uh, that that the underlying um, drivers, as it were, of the self-harming um, would be uh, come out into the open, you know, and that a person would listen with understanding and and would support the person um, and invite them to talk, to urge them to talk about what's wrong, what what, what are the feelings. Like, um, when a person, when a young person opens up um, about those feelings, well then, um, they're well on the way then to to recovery. Now, it might be important, I mean, naturally, one would have seen the GP at that stage, um, uh, because we're talking physical injury as well as emotional upset, but... um, uh, it might be helpful, and in fact, I think without question or doubt, it would be helpful um, to seek professional help um, for the young person to talk out stuff. There might be things that... Um, are there strategies that are known to help? Well, there are sort of what you'd call, um, for want of a better word, um, sort of distraction um, or... Um, uh, alternatives that would be less damaging, like holding an ice cube against the skin. Um, uh, even the very cold tap um, uh, to hold one's hand under it. Um, I've often talked to somebody about wearing a rubber band 
and that um, she might just um, pull it and let it snap back and that gives a little hurt, a little pain, but skin is not broken and there's no... Um, They're not going to injure themselves in no any way. involved. Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah. Or the, the, maybe mainly with a young man, maybe, I don't know, maybe a girl as well, um, you know, investing in an old punching bag and sticking it up in the garage and uh, go and pound that when when things are uh, overwhelming. Um, but uh, they, they, they would be... Um, alternative ways of of dealing with the thing. Um, I think we mentioned before one time we were talking about um, a lipstick or a marker and, um, you know, drawing a line on the skin rather than cutting. Um, uh, I suppose what I'm saying really is avoiding the actual cutting and finding some kind of an alternative that will... Um, uh, that the person will 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 uh, will use to uh, to alleviate instead, the emotional pain. Yeah, yeah and in, instead of... Now, we are going to next week um, offer, obviously, advice uh, to parents, but I suppose the one message we want to get across today is, is for parents, you know, don't panic. Yes. Isn't it? Isn't that kind of the real message? Like, like a parent when they're faced with this will think they're the only parent ever to be faced with this. It is. It's more common than you actually realise. Absolutely, and that's important to know. And there are answers, and people do come from this, and it is not a suicide attempt. So that I mean, that would probably help a parent who is after just maybe realising that this is going on. And um, uh, not to, we'll, we'll talk a little bit as well about, uh, we'll, we'll talk about some do's and some don'ts. And like, um, you know, lo- losing the head, um, um, uh, uh, blaming and, um, uh, you know, look at what you're doing to me kind of thing is only going to add to yeah, the guilt. It's it going worse. to add to the pressure. Okay, and we, w- we will pick that up um, yeah. from next week as yeah. to what parents do when they're faced with this. Okay, Joe, yeah. have a good week and we'll chat next Tuesday. Thanks uh, for joining us. That is uh, Joe Heffern and Joe's number is 029 He runs a counselling practice in Boerbury. Now, before we go, a couple of things I just want to give a quick mention to. And by the way, uh, thank you. Lots and lots of people are sending in emails and messages and texts asking me to mention there's so many events taking place between now and Christmas and I will do my best to get to mention as many of them as I can. For example, Kinshanic Ladies Football Club, they're holding a fundraising table quiz. It's this Saturday in the Gertrude Inn at 9 o'clock. They're looking for tables of four, uh, 40 euro. A great night will be guaranteed. And the Domanway Chamber of Commerce, they are holding an amazing Christmas market. It'll be held in the square on Thursday, the 29th of November. So that's this Thursday between 3pm and 7pm. Now, they're currently over 
50 stall holders who are planning to attend with a variety of products including food, craft work, gifts, jewellery and clothing. The local schools will be providing the entertainment on the day. Christmas lights will be switched on towards the end of the evening in Domamwe and the monster Christmas giveaway will also be launched. I'm told Sammy the Snowman will make an appearance on the day and it's also hopes that uh, Santa Claus will pop in to say hi. So a great afternoon and evening uh, not to be missed. 3pm to 7pm this Thursday on behalf of Dunmanway Chamber of Commerce. Good luck to everybody there. And St Finbar's uh, South Church are hosting an evening of seasonal music and song in the company of the wonderful, wonderful Father Liam Lawton. If you've never been to a Liam Lawton uh, show, try to get to one, try to get one of these Christmas ones. They really are fabulous. This will be on Thursday week, the 6th of December at half uh, seven uh, sharp. And tickets are priced at €20 and they can be purchased from the parish office on Dunbar Street between half ten and twelve Monday to Friday any day and they're also available at Pro Musica on Oliver Plunkett Street in Cork. That's where though I wrap it up for today. My thanks to John Paul McNamara for producing. Nick Richards is with you for the afternoon and we are back with you tomorrow morning at, at ten o'clock. Peter Dowdell will be joining us tomorrow uh, because unfortunately he wasn't able to make it last week so we'll have a gardening slot for you. Until tomorrow at ten I'm Patricia Messenger. Cork today with Breedhaven Nursing Home Mallow. It's family run, so your loved one will feel at home. See breedhaven.ie. C103. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.